Okay, good morning, Faith Fellowship. It is good to see you. Good to be back. Uh, just a super quick uh, testimony of those things. It was evident that you guys were praying. Evident. I cannot express to you the ease by which things were happening from conversations that I had on the plane going. Serene had a long conversation uh, to the people that we met. One of the things that we asked the team to be praying for, and I think I may have even mentioned it to you, is last year, you know, there was like 300 people. So we were busy, busier than I really wanted to be, because then you're just working the booth. Well, who cares about that, right? This year, I begged the Lord. I'm like, Lord, just make it where it's just enough so that we have conversation. He did that. That's exactly what we got. The forecast had rain for 70%. It sprinkled. Like just, I mean, I'm telling you, I, there were times I just smirked to myself like, man, somebody is praying. We're praying. Somebody in Kansas City is praying. And so thank you so very much. Um, that team of individuals was outstanding. Um, we ought to be praising the Lord for the young men and women that we have in this church um, and be grateful for what is happening, you know, in Kaya. And so yeah, I was just really blessed by what I saw and just what the heart that people had, you know. And so uh, that you can probably uh, maybe we can have coffee or something if you want to hear more about it. But um, great trip. Um, good things. It was ease. I don't know if we could have had more unity because we didn't get to have a real beach day. It did rain that day. <laughs> so we went to the beach and we got wet because it was raining, not because we got in the ocean. And uh, but man, just the connection between Lee Summit and MBT and, and their heart. And one thing I do want to ask you for something, OK, because he may not be listening. OK, will you pray for Mason? So I had this this incredible conversation with Mason on the way back. He's one of the guys that goes to Lee Summit, one of the young guys. And uh, he said, hey, Dell, so tell me about this FOI thing, because I don't I don't know anything about that. Like, so every time I was mentioning FOI in our meetings, he never said, hey, what does FOI stand for? So he had no idea until that Sunday night. So then he's like, uh, I love that. That was awesome. He was like, man, tell me about it. So I'm like, my, of course, my eyes are just like as big as melons. I'm just like, Mason, man, it's like this and this is what happens. And so that, you know, we have these rides, we try to establish these relationships with internationals. They come and just befriend them and love on them. And we're going to share the gospel with them. And I, he was like, I want to do that with my life. I'm like, Mason, <laughs> I'm going to pull your head off in this seat right now, dude. I'm like, man, I got to get you connected to Miles so you can talk to him and all that. So listen, man, I'm still just thinking back on it. I am super pumped about that. Okay. Pray for Mason. Now, you know, of course, in MBT fashion, I said, brother, uh, don't be surprised if you end up leading that. He was like, well, I don't want, I was like, I'm, I'm just telling you. <laughs> okay, just, <Thank> you yep. <laughs> like, you just, just go with whatever God wants to do. Because, man, your heart right now is exploding. You are so thrilled. He was like, I, so he works at Longview. And he's like, probably 80% of the people he interacts with are from India. He's like, so there's this huge population in, in Longview I would just want to minister to. So guys, please be praying for that. That will be a blessing to the church in Lee Summit. So I got to make some connections. Somebody follow up with me. Make sure that I do that, okay? He's got to have a conversation with Miles. I think I'm going to try to invite him to some of the events just so he can see what it is we're doing and what that looks like here. And then they'll have to implement that in Lee Summit as they see fit, right? So uh, super pumped about that. So... Uh, okay, Acts 15. Got to get back there. Been a couple weeks since we've been in there. You know what this is. A critical chapter in Acts. It feels like every <laughs> chapter is just because this is kind of chronicling a long span of time with the early church and just what's happening. One of the things you never want to lose sight of in this is that this is new to them. Okay, and so there are things that come up that they have to deal with that it's like the first time that they really, you know, what are they really going to, how, what is our thought process on this? And so a question arose while they were in, uh, in Antioch, 
remember this is Assyria, Antioch, that, uh, that Gentiles would have to be circumcised in order to be saved. And this is coming from the thing that, you know, we say that uh, Israelis kind of wrestle with is that call and that separation that has been granted to them by the Lord is something that has kind of bred in them a bit of arrogance, like, you know, like we're better than everybody else. So th like the, our way is the, the way kind of thing, right? And so they're wrestling with the marriage of Judaism and Christianity, which in, in God's mind is no marriage, like this ended, right? It's Christianity, that's what we're doing, right? And so for them, there are these challenges um, and they are zealots of the law, right? This doesn't have anything to do necessarily for their uh, salvation, but just there is a comfort from structurally being under what the law has provided to them as a society. And so I, I get the argument, but I also get Paul's counter argument where it really upsets him, right? Because the thing is, is that he is kind of a boots on the ground guy that has seen what God is doing with the Gentiles. Remember, he spent time in synagogues and then would have to be, as a Jewish man himself, have to be thrown out of these places because of how they were responding to it. And then he'd go and he'd tell, tell the Gentiles the same gospel message and would see softened hearts and see a response out of them. And so you can see how this would be challenging for him. We know that he is a countryman that is very much proud of his heritage. It's nothing wrong with that. But I think the one thing that he realizes is that we just can't, we cannot hang the Gentiles up on this matter. This is not what the Lord's intention was. And so we already saw kind of Peter's uh, um, statements to that. Remember, he references his time with Cornelius and what took place there when those men of Joppa come and meet him there in Caesarea. And so we kind of remember we, we dealt with that last time, but now we're gonna look at James. And this is James, Jesus' brother, James, James the Just, James that wrote your Bible, uh, book of the Bible, James. And so this James is, in terms of how people see him and why I think that the Lord wrote, had him and kind of the parentheses is Peter, and then as Paul and Barnabas say their statements, and then after that is James. It's because, well, this guy is the pastor of that church. Now, so if you think about Peter, he's the apostle to the Jews. That's like title-wise how you would title him. So this is really critical about James and just what it is that he is going to say here. And so we're going to see that we'll start in verse 12 and we'll read the 22 and then we'll uh, get in and do our, our breakdowns here. It starts and it says, uh, <clears throat> this is after Peter said what he had to say. It says in verse 12, then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. Now, remember, I told you last time that we were together, this is all they're doing is telling about what happened on their first missionary trip. Remember, it was very profitable. Now, this is also, he probably had to mention, and I was stoned, <laughs> right? Because that was also part of that journey. But these are, the, these are the things that they would have been telling. And specifically, I guarantee you, they would have spent a lot of time in terms of how the Gentiles were responding. It's a big deal. Something is being set up in the minds of these Israelis here just so that they can be comforted by what it is that they're hearing. Okay, so <clears throat> it says, then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and, and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. And after they had held their peace, James answered, saying, men and brethren, hearken unto me. Simeon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles. So he's just basically a nod back to what it is that, you know, Peter is saying there to take out of them a people for his name. Very critical statement right there. Very critical. I would dare say, just for me, when I read through this the first time, that was mine. That's my key verse. Is that one? Verse 15. And to this agree the words of the prophets. Oh, I like that. I like this. I like how he linked that. As it is written, after this, I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up that the residue of men 
might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles upon whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who doeth all these things. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Wherefore, my sentence is that we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to God, but that we write unto them and that they abstain from pollutions of idols and from fornication and from things strangled and from blood. For Moses of old time hath in every city them that preach him, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. Then pleased it the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, surnamed Barsabas, and Silas, chief men among the brethren. Okay, so that's where our, our area of focus is going to be. And you saw that the title is James' Position. And I really want to point out like a shepherd's heart. So you know the vision of this class is to establish shepherds and evangelists. And one of the things I think that is really important because I have a lot of parents in here and I have people that are in ministry in here and I have people that are, are going to be in ministry in here. You want to pick up on these vibes that James is sending out. It is critical to the success of the people that you're going to invest in. Mom and dad, look at your children as the people you're going to invest in. They are not just people that are in your house taking up space, not paying rent. That would be a squatter. That's not your kids. <laughs> okay. And so there is something about having a heart here that must be considered. And so I, I just want you to think in your head just for a moment. What was your relationship like with your father on earth? Perhaps some of you did not have a chance to enjoy your relationship with your father because he passed before you were of age where any real activity could have been taking place. Or perhaps he um, is struggled with just owning what it means to be a father and wasn't around or he was in and out. Listen, I, I, I bring that up because I think the one thing that sometimes we have to undo and allow the Lord to undo is whatever depiction we may have of our father so that we don't shepherd in the same way. There's a standard by which we should shepherd. It is set by the Bible. That's how you father. It's how you shepherd. It's how you steward. Whatever your word is, that is the standard. And so I love here that there are some key things that I want to kind of highlight for you. Now, obviously, we don't want to miss the fact that there is this kind of opening up that has taken place in the church in Jerusalem and, and this understanding that essentially Jewish people would accept Gentiles for what they are and that God are, is opening a, a window of opportunity into them and he's harvesting them just as much as he wants to with Israel. And they need to be settled there. But historically, let me tell you that this conversation, while important, did not completely make it okay in Israel's mind. This is why you're going to see it mentioned again in Titus. It's a problem today, <laughs> right? So, but it's important here just in terms of these key pillars in agreement, okay? So doctrinally, that's what's on the table. But remember, I told you, Acts is like a big jacket. And the big part of that, one side of that jacket is kingdom of heaven, the other side is kingdom of God. And then there's all these little pockets you can get into in order to fix your life and, and how you can process and go, you know what, I need that. That's great truth. So let me give you this because the thing is, is as, if, as a class, if we're going to have that shepherd's heart, well, let's just see how it plays out. Let's start in verse 12 here. <clears throat> It says, then all the multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. The thing I want you to notice is that the multitude is silent. That is the first time in Acts with all the conversation. There's a whole lot of talking in Acts. That's the first time in Acts that that word silence shows up. So you know it's important. Paul and Barnabas are submitting to Jerusalem's church authority. This is really critical that there was an argument that arose and instead of them just going out on their own and not doing whatever it is that they wanted to do, they said, no, let's go back to the church in Jerusalem. We need to have 
uh, Peter and James weigh in on this matter, and then let's see how we're going to move forward. In 1 Peter 2.13, it says, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of, of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. So now I want you to understand something in terms of what submission does. Because they are submitting to that authority, you see what you get is like in verse 15 of first Peter. Now this is the will of God through the submission of any authority structure that he has set in place. But in particular, this is why you let the Lord overthrow authority. You don't. You submit to it. It is absolutely important that we get that. It troubles me that in this country that has all the opportunity in front of it, it could be that great nation that we've always thought it was going to be. But the minute that we start to kind of have this fractured idea of authority, guys, I'm telling you, we're in trouble. So this is why I asked you about your dad. Because let me tell you, if you and your dad ain't right and you ain't forgiving him for whatever issues that you're going to bring that to the church. You're going to bring that to the Lord. And you will see him in that same way. It has to be dealt with. There is an authority structure. And I love that we are watching these individuals as great as Paul is. Remember, we say that he is just a man. This whole thing is to try to knock him down to an area where we can look at him eye level and say, brother, teach me what it is and how you think and, and what God is showing you. Oh, I see you're following the Lord. I follow that. I see that. You're not on the same level with Jesus, but I see that you follow Jesus. Let me see how you move. Okay, so how he's moving is, is this church authority. The next thing I want you to understand is this. Peter and James then humbled themselves by submitting to Paul and Barnabas's testimony. This is tremendous. First Peter 5.1. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Get this. Listen, shepherds, mom and dad, disciple makers, pastor, <laughs> missionary, one, <laughs> future pastors, missionaries. Verse three neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. We know that we get that, but get this. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with what? Humility. Oh, wait a minute. I don't like that word, Lord. For God resisted the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. So you got to understand the, the dynamic that with the, that, that's kind of set up here that you can kind of miss. If Peter and James don't stand in the gap and kind of frame what it is that Paul and Barnabas does to those that are struggling with the law, they see Paul as a traitor. He would be an absolute traitor, right? Like he stood for them. He is for them. He is with them. And now Peter and James, guys that have high regard amongst anybody, whether, whether they are Christian or not, they still respect. These guys walk with Jesus. We got to respect that. It may not be difficult for these men to agree with, with each other because they knew what God was doing. But for the audience that was hearing this, it would have been life-changing to see what God was displaying. And so here's our first key point. 
Biblical submission to authority and advocating for those with a righteous testimony will bring God glory. And it creates this cycle where it's like the, the, there's this advocacy that's taking place, there's submission happening here, but then those that are in authority, those parents advocate. So now in terms of a shepherd's heart, parents, do your kids feel like you have their back? A lot of times, especially teenagers, really struggle with this. Sometimes they are all over the place. But the thing is, is like, if it's yelling and screaming every time they come in the house, they don't feel like you are for them. They don't feel like you love them. And guess what, what happens when you grow up in a household like that? You might disciple like that. You might lead others like that. This advocacy is huge. It's not something that should be missed. And so it's something that I want you to really be just thinking about in terms of who are you advocating for? Because the Lord has already advocated for you. Remember, he said in terms of how you, if, hey, if you proclaim my name, man, I'm, I'm going to say your name to the Father. Right? We got to get this thing down, man. Biblical submission to authority and advocating for those with a righteous testimony. That is the caveat. I can't go to bat for you if you're doing clown stuff. But if the pastors come to me and they ask a question, they don't know the insight, man, I, I love standing in the gap for you. Because what does that mean? I have a relationship with you. If I can't defend you, I don't have a relationship with you. You see what I'm saying? So just by the sheer fact, and again, it's something you can look over, but you can't miss the fact that that verse is there, verse 12, that Paul and Barnabas get to tell these guys what is happening. It could be by right, good enough, just for Peter, James to speak, that's it. That's not what happened. The testimony of what happened with them is true, is solid, is valid, and it needs to be said. So now, again, it goes back to that question, Shepherd, who do you advocate for? You notice that in that 1 Peter 5, the whole idea of not lording over them, it was fine with them that Paul did not walk in the same circles that they did. And remember, they saw the grace was on him to be the apostle to the Gentiles. Not a small matter. These guys do not readily just give over titles like that like it's nothing. You understand that? They recognize it. They see it. And so, again, parents, some of y'all need to advocate for your kids because nobody else is going to do it if you don't do it. Some of y'all need to advocate for your disciples. Maybe this is a statement about in terms of the relationship that you have with them that I can't advocate because I don't know. them. OK, well, get to know them. Get to know them. Do not just meet discipleship, just a lesson and then go home. There are so many times in discipleship that you just got to slide the book to the side and just say, hey, how are you really doing? You don't look well. I know you enough to know your countenance and shoulder position is not right. It is not normally how you come in my house. So let's talk about it. Because I'm for you. And yes, you've been a little flaky on whatever, how you've been serving. And now I get to tell that leader, hey, this is what's going on. And it, okay, let us know. We'll be praying. Advocate. That's a shepherd's heart. You got to be submitted to authority. Shepherds, listen, shepherds structurally always will have to answer to somebody, right? And so, like, it's good for you to do that. But then when the sheep that you got underneath you, well, look out for them. Right? Don't just step out of the way. And then when, you know, thunder and lightning come here, you just like, oh, sorry, got you. <laughs> no, come on, man. I love that. This unity that is taking place here, this is why that crowd, they have nothing to say. What can they say? Everything that's being said is true. As hard as it is, as much as they don't want to, their racialness is coming up, <laughs> bubbling up. What can I say? God has been at work. And Peter, God has been at work with Paul and Barnabas. 
What can we? Uh, hands in your pockets. Be quiet. Praise the Lord. It worked. The scripture is true. You put to silence foolish men. Verse 13. And after that, they had held their peace. James answered and said, men and brethren, hearken unto me. So now he's going to get in a little deeper. And he says, Simeon had declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles to take them of a people for his name. And listen, we have gotten so hung up on how to share the gospel that we have forgotten the why. You cannot lose sight of the why. Here are some great reminders for you. Isaiah 43, 21. This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. And this one tore me up when I was in Tampa. Just I, I read it and I was just like, man, that's so good. I think I said it to Serene maybe a couple times. Isaiah 55, 11. Listen to this, y'all. So shall my word be that go forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me, boy, but it shall accomplish that which I please. Do you notice they don't mention you at all in there? I love that. It's his word. It's his work. And there is a promise of success. So this is why I can come back to you. And yeah, I may not say, okay, in Tampa, we had all these professions of faith, but we got names. We got names that I can add to our prayer list and say, pray for these names. Because if it wasn't that Sunday that they show up, maybe it's going to be the Sunday after or the Sunday after that. There are individuals in that church that I have seen or come across that I didn't, I didn't even think about it that Mark might have reminded, hey, man, he was last time you preached or whatever. He was here last time, and now he's been coming for the last whatever. That has nothing to do with me, but it just means that I have to obey God and do what he says to do. Get the word out. <laughs> Get the word out. It's a reminder of who's really at work, what the purpose is. In 1 Thessalonians 5.14, it says, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. Be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man. But ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. And everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And so listen, what do those words tell us? Warn, comfort, support, patient. What do those words tell us? It tells us this. This is only possible if I love God and I love people. James understands that. He's not willing to make some sort of argument just for the sake of the, the semantics of the law and, and Christianity. He understands that God is opening up this door. And the thing is, I think James is thinking, I love the idea that God is harvesting them. Because that doesn't mean anything against Israel. It's not an anti-Israel move for God to make the move to bring in Gentiles. But can you understand from their position that they may feel a way about it? Like, I used to be the favorite, now you forgot me. No. You just give more family that look different from different continents. So here's our second key point then. Exclusivity builds arrogance in us and is incapable of praising God. Exclusivity builds arrogance in us and is incapable of praising God. You absolutely have to get that down. That is not a shepherd's heart. So listen, let me help you, MBT. The exclusivity that may come in the fact that we somehow can come to these conclusions like MBT is the best church on earth and it's got it all figured out. It is not right. I love this place. I have blood, sweat, and tears in this place. I have built that building over there. The roof, the walls of Kid Town, the stage twice. So don't tell me I don't have any stake in the claim of MBT and being my home and seeing it as the favorite, but I know better. I know better. I know that God is at work in this city. And the thing is, is we don't need to formulate some kind of click that keeps other people out. That will be to the detriment of this church and this city. So cast a big net. 
Be careful how you speak of other churches. You have one here that could easily fall to the same devices that those others have fallen to. Pray for your leaders. This is the thing. We don't want to build some kind of arrogance. I hate it that Israel wrestles with this. Your separation does not, should not always mean that you, you have the leg up over me. So I love how the Lord just leveled the playing field. All of y'all need me. <laughs> Everybody's going to hell. Okay. All right. Thank you. Uh, can you fix that? Yes, I can. Okay. Good. We're good. See, I, I, it's important that James says that. It's important for a shepherd to do that. It's important to make sure that your kids, you don't have favorite disciples. When Van left, it can't, I can't let Sean feel like he's less than. Van's gone. See ya. <laughs> Love you. Appreciate you. I'll call you sometime. Who do I got here? Right in front of me. It's all y'all. The best thing go. Y'all right here. You see what I'm saying? Like you gotta, you have to think, don't make clicks. The pastors don't have clicks. I'm just, I know these guys. They don't. They love all of y'all the same. They pray for you all the same. Yes, some of us can be counted on to be you know, faithful in certain things and all of that, and they're not going to put you in bad spots or whatever. But ultimately, that's just a matter of, of your faithfulness, right? The love is the same. The prayers are the same. The tears for you are the same. Parents, is that the same? Or would your kids make you guilty of saying, well, you love so-and-so more than you love me? So I'm out. That's a hard thing to listen to, right? It was just me on my, on my mom's side. And, you know, of course, obviously, Rashad, we're going out to my dad's house. It was me and him. And then we got adopted siblings. And, and it's funny because, you know, there are times in my life that I have been selfish. Imagine that. Right. <laughs> but I remember when we started getting all these other kids around, because when I was the only grandson, I was the oldest. Man, Christmas was like I was about to cash in. Right. And uh, I remember my my first cousin and then, you know, it's Rashad and all these other cousins. And then the Christmas tree, I counted my gifts. I was like, no, wait a minute. It's a bunch of kids. Oh, one, two, three. Uh -uh. No, it's off. The numbers are off. <laughs> awful i said something too mm, mm, mm. <laughs> so wonder my grandma didn't just slap all of the life out of me and the lord would have said well well done you know <laughs> but i i that was the thing right i, I felt away because now there's other people around so I get where Israel's coming from. You're like, wait a minute, all these blessings and pillars of fire and clouds and all this cool stuff and plagues and frogs dropping out of the sky. I don't want to miss. Wait a minute. That's cool. We don't don't give that to them. The Lord's like, shut up. <laughs> You're good. I got you. I got you. If you really want to have a shepherd's heart, listen, don't make it the same. Amongst your disciples, amongst your children, amongst your flock. I don't have favorites in here. I love all of you. And you'll see why here momentarily. If we read the rest of this, we're looking at verse 15. And to this, agree the words uh, uh, of the prophet. Excuse me, lost my place here. Yep, of the prophets as it is written. After this, I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David. Don't miss, and you should underline in your Bible, it says, after this, I will return. So this is like the time of the Gentiles. And after that, when the Lord comes back and is seated truly on his throne, this kind of rebuilding of the temple that takes place in the process of, you know, these kind of after these events, that's kind of how this goes. I have a really cool Larkin uh, I was going to put in the slide. I actually have a color version of it of that, just so you can see that. I may have Sean add that. Serene, will you remind me to do that? Just so you can see, 
So listen, this is like a little small statement. If you are Jewish and you're paying attention to it, you go, God's not done with us. No, no. After this, I will return. I will build again a tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up. He's quoting Amos 9, 11 and 12. He's paraphrasing it here. It almost says it verbatim. Same thing. It's just that encouragement. Again, we constantly talk about that because the idea is this weird replacement theology that's growing in this country for some reason uh, where we're going to just say, well, God is done with Israel. Nope, that is absolutely not the case. He's not done with them. And you're going to see something that's very beautiful towards the end of this. I just love that he, that true shepherd's heart, man. Verse 16, or, or I'm sorry, 17, that the residue of men might seek after the Lord. So there's this event that has taken place and that left remaining of men, that residue, that's what that means there, left remaining of men might seek after the Lord. You see that there is this harvest. The Lord is always looking to cast this large net and always looking to capture as many as possible because there is no pleasure in him watching flesh that was not designed for the pit of hell be there. No pleasure in that. Verse 18, known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. And 19, wherefore my sentence is that we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to God, but that we write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idols and from fornication and from things strangled and from blood. And so if you're reading this, you could come to the wrong conclusion that somehow now, well, aren't you strangling them again? And tying them up to something. No, listen, listen, let me read something to you. First Corinthians 8 through 13. It's kind of a big passage. Stick with me. It says this, but to, to us, I could have really started in verse one. I, I did. And I had to <laughs> break it down a little bit further. But listen now. It says in uh, verse six. But to us, there is but one God, the father of whom are all things and we in him and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things and we by him. How be it? There is not in every man that knowledge for some with conscience of the idol unto this hour eat as a thing offered unto an idol and their conscience being weak is defiled. But meat commendeth us not to God. I love that he makes this statement. It's like, listen, okay, before you get all jacked up like meat. So what? Like the cut of it, get a good cut when you're cooking it so you can enjoy it. But like ultimately the meat doesn't do anything, right? And then he says this, uh, was that verse nine? If, um, yeah, but meat commendeth us not to God for neither if we eat, are we better? Neither if we eat not, are we the worse? But take heed lest by any means. Ah, this is the central issue. This liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. So when he's making this statement about these idols in verse 20, when he says, but write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idols and from fornication, from things strangled and from blood, there is, he knows when this word goes out, it's going to be in places where Jewish people still are. And this could be a real hang up for them watching people with pagan backgrounds bring that paganness into the Christian church. And so they're going to be in a tight spot and it may keep Jews that would hear the gospel from kind of going, uh, I want out. I don't think I want a part of this because this is disgusting and filthy. And so now this is what, this is the whole deal. But take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. For if any man see thee, which has knowledge, sit at meat in the idol's temple, shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols? And through thy knowledge shall that weak brother perish for whom Christ died. Oh man, that's where you're like, oh, why did I do that? I'll give you a good story about that here in a minute. Verse 12. And, but when you sin, so against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. <laughs> Big deal. 13. Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. So this has to do, y'all, with blamelessness. So here's the deal. You guys know, you probably have forgotten on purpose. I do it on purpose. I'm just going to remind you, and I'm going to let you forget again. I have tattoos from my wrists all the way up to my shoulders on both sides. 
And the first time that I, that I was kind of conscious of it was in El Salvador, actually. So you guys know that I went down there. And in that culture, the one thing is there's like a separation between the people and gangsters. And so in their minds, the only people that have tattoos are gangsters. So how am I going to get up and teach the word with all these tattoos blazing? And essentially from then, now listen, you know, me and God, my salvation is good. I'm not going to hell. That's, that's my, you know, maybe there's some poor choices. Some of the artistry is good. Some of it not so good, whatever. Right. But ultimately that's not going to stop my salvation. But here's the thing that I didn't want to happen. I didn't want a single person in that audience to stop listening to me and whatever it was that God was going to give to me because I have tattoos. So I cover them everywhere. You understand? It's for their weakness, not for mine. I'm good. And now it's just one of those things you got to be willing to do. There's this entitlement that sometimes shows up in the American believer that's just like, well, I'm free to do and look however I want to. Listen, you're going to be in places potentially that could be that consider that offensive. Are you prepared to give it up? There are some churches that we have to go to. Serene will have to wear something down to her ankles. You know, in here, well, you see how some of the people dress in here. But that, anyway, that's a whole other, <laughs> right? You can have on some of them Brandon Briscoe shorts. <laughs> Too short swim trunks from my brother, right? <laughs> and nobody cares. It's fine. It's good, right? But we go somewhere else. That's not how we roll. And you got to be willing and have the surroundings to go, do I care about the promotion of the gospel or the promotion of me? I don't care about the promotion of me. So I make sure that even in front of you, I love it. I make the mistake sometimes when I, we got to clean. I wear short sleeve. People go, I don't know you had tattoos. I'm like, because ah. I don't want our teenagers Watching a guy that has a fellowship up there and start making a choice like, you know what? As soon as I turn 18, I can't wait to hound my parents about this. And then they're going to say, well, Dale said, oh, no, see, ain't going to get me. No. So short sleeves or long sleeves till I'm dead. <laughs> and it's not too hot. I did an iron work. I practiced it there. But I'm just saying, you got to be willing to do that. See, the blamelessness thing, sometimes it's like you don't understand don't let your liberty, don't let those entitlements change you off your position. There is something that God wants to do with you. And you got to make sure that you stand there. And it may seem like a yeah, I know kind of thing, but it's absolutely a requirement of blamelessness for anybody that's a shepherd. An absolute requirement. We've been studying it. First Timothy, right? It says of bishops and deacons and both of those cats, it's blameless. So will you be blameless? How will you conduct what what things maybe that you need to put off? Maybe you don't need to talk about what movies you like. Because your disciples about to get jacked up. Keep it to yourself. Watch your own movies. If it's that bad, you probably shouldn't be watching. anyway. But you know what I'm saying? I mean, there's just some things that just don't bring up because some people, they just cannot handle it. They are not on. The, they don't have the same liberty spectrum that you do. And so it's going to trip them up. And so here's the deal. Key point number three, man. A genuine interest in the fruit of others will have an impact on how you live your life. A general, genuine interest in the fruit of others will have an impact on how you live your life. I love that James is saying to the Gentiles, not like I want to hang you up in some way that now you got to have these hoops and ladders you got to try to jump through. No, he's like, I want you to have fruit. And I actually want what God is doing with you to have an impact on my kinsmen. I love that. He could have totally taken a different angle, but the angle there is that he wants them to have fruit. He wants his kinsmen to be reached. If all of this access now is being granted to the Gentiles, then he knows his kinsmen will be around. Do you see the field in the same way, shepherd? Or it's just, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to act, I'm going to say, I'm going to talk however I want to. Listen, again, MBT, man, you got freedom. A lot. Nobody 
from the pastors. I did not have a conversation with James about my shirts. I just care about the people that I minister to enough that I made it an issue for me. You don't have to even do that. But I know if I'm going on international missions, I'm just telling you, you never been, all of those countries are conservative, more so than the states. And you get a pass for being an American, but I don't want to use that card. You know what I want the pass? That you listen to me. I, I pay for this flight to come over here to share with whatever God has laid on my heart. And I don't want you to miss it because of these stupid tattoos. You see what I'm saying? I care about their fruit. And if God is going to use me or use you in places that you don't know where you're going to go, then man, live righteously. Do not be the distraction. All you are is a funnel. That's all you are. Funnels are not cool. My funnels carry oil. That's all they do, right? And they are, they're up on a shelf somewhere. There's a yellow one and some other color ones. I don't even know what color they are because they don't matter. But you know what? I do like it when they work. I really just want that funnel to function. That's all you are. That's why you shouldn't bring into the, well, I got to have this or that. And so, man, I'm telling you, listen. Do not miss what is kind of being on display for you here. In verse 21, he says, For Moses of old time hath in every city them that preach him, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. He's telling you, listen, they are around. <laughs> They're going to see how you move. You can't be in the markets. Please. It's not going to be a good idea with the whole buying this meat and that meat. Like, get your weaker brother. Consider them. As you move through your life, verse 22, I love how it ended. Then please it, the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, surnamed Barsabas, and Silas, chief men among the brethren. Okay, we get all this information out there, and you kind of see this shepherd's heart. And so listen, here's my conclusion. Shepherds model submission. They advocate for the brethren. Shepherds' chief desire is to bring God glory. And lastly, shepherds live lives that lay a foundation for fruit in the lives of those around them. Like that, if you want to be the kind of shepherd that, you know, you're watching in the Bible, or you see even men and women in this church that you're like, man, I love the fruit that so-and-so has or this person has or whatever. Okay, there's some different choices that you're going to have to make. You got to get your affairs in order. You can't have this messy life, these messy relationships. Your money ain't never right. Like, it, I mean, that's weird. That's not normal, okay? Like, submit those things to the Lord and say, Lord, tighten me up. Because, man, surely when you get in a situation of discipleship and if you have children, how are you going to teach them if you haven't done it? That's how this works. And so I love that this thing gets settled there. At least amongst those brothers, they will go forward together in agreement on these matters. Shepherds model submission and advocate for the brethren. Shepherds chief desires to bring God glory. And lastly, shepherds live lives that lay a foundation for fruit in the lives of those around them. So I only have one question. How is your shepherding going? How's it going? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, thank you uh, just for, man, these things that tore me up. And Lord, I, you know, I stand here before these, these beloved uh, saints, I'm not saying that, Lord, I haven't mastered anything. I just, there's a realization of things that I got to do differently. And so, Lord, uh, man, it, it, we could look at this and be discouraged a bit. You know, we're like, man. You know, I'm always messed up. Nope. And there's grace. And there's an opportunity to make changes. And so, Lord, in a, in a heart of thanksgiving, I'm just grateful that we have an opportunity to really maybe have a different kind of conversation with you this week. Lord, I'm begging you for shepherds in this class that we shepherd our children well, 
our disciples well, our flocks well, our mission fields well. That, Lord, at every turn, that, Lord, people will know how to properly see how they also could be shepherds. Lord, help us to make sure that we are a connected, submitted group. Lord, help us to advocate for those brothers and sisters. Even our advocation should be by prayer to you on their behalf. Lord, I pray that we would be a class that prays more, not just for the things that we need, but for those that we are investing in, our children, that we would lay uh, requests at your feet on their behalf. Some of our kids, Lord, refuse to pray to you. Lord, I have mercy on them, Lord. Lord, all of our kids in this class, Lord, would you grow up men and women of God that you would see fit and that you would use them mightily. I'm begging you. Lord, some of them trouble their parents to no end. It grieves me, Father. Lord, we have disciples that have been trying to be made in this class, Lord, that we've, we've loved, and Lord, they just disappeared. Father, will you, will you grab those individuals? Lord, would you have us to have, Lord, when, when they call, when they finally call, maybe they finally show up, that, Lord, we would just have a heart of grace, that they would see no condemnation in our faces, that we would just embrace them with love. Tell them that we miss them. Because, Lord, I do. I miss all of them. And so, Lord, I'm asking, would you bring those that have drifted, whether they be of our own flesh or those, Lord, of your blood, back to us? Lord, we'll, uh, there is no rest for us until you answer that. And Lord, for those of us that have kids that are minding and behaving at this time, Lord, we pray continually that they would just honor their parents, that the parents would show them love, that, Lord, they wouldn't lord over them, that they would grow them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. They need to be encouraged. Lord, help our fathers not to be so hard, so difficult that there is no, that the kid just feels like there's no pleasing them. Lord, I just pray, would you just be with our class? You, Lord, you, I mean, you have to move or we're cooked. And then, Lord, help us to not have these entitlements that we take to work and in our neighborhoods or just wherever we are, that, Lord, that we would, we would see those around us as the weaker. They may not have the light that we have. And so, Lord, can, can when, they, when, when we reflect properly, can we reflect the things that are just reflect you? Lord, the promotion of us is of no value. And so, Father, it must be that we proclaim, we declare your name by our lives, by our mouths. And so, Lord, would you give us opportunity to do that this week? And so, Father, thank you for what has taken place and just you bringing us to a spot where we are desperate for you to move. And, uh, Lord, we love you. We're asking you these things in full faith, knowing that only you can do anything about them. Father, walk with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.